In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So there's probably no pain like rejection, right? You offer your heart in sincerity to someone only to have it returned to you broken and abandoned by indifference or disinterest or disloyalty. Or you work hard at your job to prove yourself and you want that promotion. So you do everything you can think of to position yourself just right. And someone else gets that position. Rejection not only hurts, it, it, it can actually harm us and hinder us from trusting again, believing again, and sometimes even trying again. I think most of us have had our experiences with rejection, and uh, maybe some of us haven't chosen the best way or the wisest way or the most successful way to deal with it. Maybe it's because we haven't studied Jesus and how Jesus handled rejection in his own life. His wasn't a life just of glory and wonderful things happening to him because he was the Messiah and he was well-known and crowds would throng to him. He had his share of ostracism and rejection too in spite of who he was. In our gospel lesson today, we're told that Jesus was beginning now to see the fulfillment of what God had called him to do and to be, and he was setting his eyes toward Jerusalem for his own death and resurrection. He was determined to fulfill his destiny And somewhere in between that determination and destiny, there was a little bit of rejection. And maybe that is the same thing for all of us. I don't know. I think destiny of Jesus had been appointed by God, ordained by God. Uh, Jesus knew what he was supposed to do. But he was given the freedom to choose the way he would fulfill God's plan. Divine destiny doesn't preclude, prevent, or lessen the need for our own determination and making some choices in the matter. God may prepare and ordain a place and a purpose for us too, but still we must make the effort and exercise some will to do the work necessary to accomplish our divine aim and to fill our divine destinies. So Jesus wasn't going to be dissuaded from his divine purpose. He'd been in his home region of Galilee. That's in the north. He was heading south toward Jerusalem. But there was a problem. Uh, There was a little area in between called Samaria. And uh, the Samaritans were a hybrid people, a mixed race, If you remember in the Old Testament, a lot of the Jews were carried to Babylon for the exile. So there was a remnant that stayed behind. And they intermarried with the Canaanites. They created their own religion, their own culture. They were really set apart now from the Jews. 
And the Jews and the Samaritans had a lot of antagonism and rivalry between them. It was so deep that Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. They didn't like them. They didn't trust them. They wouldn't eat with them. They wouldn't touch anything a Samaritan had touched. So a lot of times if Jews were traveling south to Jerusalem, they would go miles out of their way to avoid all of Samaria altogether. But Jesus and his disciples cut right through Samaria. And in fact, they wanted to spend the night. So Jesus sent his disciples ahead to find a place and prepare for their evening in a town in Samaria. And verse 53 tells us that uh, they didn't receive him well because he was Jew and his face was set toward Jerusalem. The Samaritans resented the Jews so much that even the idea that they would pass through on their way to do Jewish business was not welcome. So they rejected him. We don't know exactly how they rejected him. Maybe they were rude to him. Maybe they cursed and sneered at him. Maybe they hung signs out their window saying the only good Jew is a dead Jew. We don't know, but we do know that Jesus and his disciples were insulted. So James and John, who are sometimes called the sons of thunder, some of the closest disciples, saw the way that Jesus was treated. They became incensed and enraged, and they said to Jesus, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and burn up the village and all the people in it like Elijah did? They looked at Jesus fully expecting him to give a nod for their sanctimonious assessment and let the judgment of God be upon this unjust Samaritan community. But instead of rebuking those whom the disciples thought were the enemies of Jesus, Jesus turns around and he rebuked his own disciples. He said to them, You don't know what manner of spirit you are of. In this case, the disciples had the right religion, but they were operating with the wrong spirit. And that's always a dangerous mix to try to read and interpret and to to apply the word of God with the wrong spirit. James and John attempted to justify their intent to destroy this community by appealing to what they had read in the Bible. In the first chapter of 2 Kings, there's a story about how Elijah had called down fire from heaven to consume those who questioned the authority of God. They based their request to annihilate the Samaritans based on their reading of this passage 
and their understanding of the Bible. They thought it was okay to ask God to kill their enemies. So Jesus had to correct them and to rebuke them because they made the the same mistake that so many good and decent Bible-believing Christians make today. They attempted to make an uncritical, superficial, literal application of the word of God without carefully and prayerfully discerning discerning the spirit of God. So Jesus said to them, you don't know what spirit you are of because the word of God without the spirit of God can be a dangerous and deadly thing. The word of God without the spirit of God gave religious sanction to slavery in America for over a hundred years. The word of God without the spirit of God has caused women down through the decades to be regarded as appendages and property of men. The word of God without the spirit of God is giving religious sanction to the denial of civil rights of many people based on their sexual orientation or their gender expression. And the list can go on and on and on. As the children of God, we have the right word, but many times we read and interpret the right word with the wrong spirit. We have forgotten that the Bible is not our God, but the Bible is our guide to God. We've forgotten that the aim of the Bible is not to provide us with a biblical mandate or a moral justification to put someone else down or to destroy them. The aim of the Bible is to guide us into a loving relationship with God and with one another. God is not the contextual law of the Bible. God is love. God is not the wrath of Elijah or any of the other prophets. God is love. God is not the religious pride of the Israelites. God is love. God is not the limited understanding and expression of any of the biblical writers. God is everlasting, transcendent love. God is not just the word. God is the word made flesh. So Jesus said, I did not come to destroy lives. I came to save lives. I did not come to destroy. I came to deliver. I did not come to take life. I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. So then, after Jesus is disrespected and rejected, an amazing thing happened. Jesus did not strike back in vengeance. He did not argue with those who refused him. He did not will for their destruction He did an amazing thing. He did nothing. Why? Because, number one, 
Jesus understood the value of tolerance. Jesus understood that in this world, everyone is not going to conform to the same belief. Everyone is not going to follow the same path. Everyone's not going to follow the same revelation, no matter how true it is. And only those who are weak and insecure in themselves try to force others to believe what they believe, live the way they live, and think the way they think. A lack of tolerance for others, the lack of respect for those who do not subscribe to a mindset or a worldview, are signs of weakness in any individual, or in any church, or in any society. Only people who are confident and secure enough in themselves to be who they are can allow others to be who they are without retaliation and without resentment. So Jesus was secure and confident in himself. He could tolerate rejection and still love those who rejected him. Secondly, Jesus did nothing because Jesus was able to move beyond his own hurt in being rejected in order to deal with the hurt of the people who had rejected him. People who live their lives rejecting other people are people who are oftentimes deeply damaged themselves. The Samaritans rejected Jesus out of their own ignorance and fear. Ignorance and fear continue to provide that fuel that feeds prejudice and bigotry today. The Samaritans didn't know a thing about Jesus. They only thought they knew things about Jesus because they had identified Jesus as a Jew. So they categorized him and they prejudiced him They evaluated Jesus by his association with other Jews, and they assumed that Jesus had the same contempt for them as other Jews did. And so they rejected him out of ignorance for who Jesus really was and out of fear with the group that he was associated with. Perhaps you and I have rejected others and have been rejected by others for the same reasons. But before we reject anyone because of the group within which he or she may belong, why not give every person a chance to demonstrate the content of his or her character apart from the assumed identity of that group? In so doing, we might discover that all white people are not racists, All black people are not lazy. All liberals are not loose. All conservatives are not callous. All gay people are not perverts. All southerners are not rednecks. All capitalists are not greedy. All socialists are not communists. All Muslims are not terrorists. All Americans are not arrogant. All Israelis are not Zionists. All people who are pro-choice are not also pro-abortion. 
All church people are not hypocrites, and so on and so on. If only the Samaritans in this village had given Jesus the chance to be evaluated according to the merits of his own character, if only they had given Jesus a chance to reveal his compassion for them, share his love, offer his peace to the village, and so on, they would have been incredibly changed. So his response to this rejection, on one hand, he did nothing. But on the other hand, he did everything. Because the Bible says in verse 56 of our gospel lesson that Jesus and his disciples went to another village and then went on to Jerusalem and to Calvary by way of another route. Even in the face of his own rejection, Jesus found another way to offer his life for his distractors. And he found another way to fulfill what God was calling him to do. May God allow us to find in all of our rejections in life creative ways to witness to God's love and to serve even those who despise us. Let us pray. Gracious God, as all of us face rejection in our walks with you, help us to see in our rejection the opportunity to find creative ways to love, to serve, and give ourselves in humility and faithfulness even to those who despitefully use us. This is your servant's prayer. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.